Welcome to another episode in season seven, seven million bikes, a Vietnam podcast. If you are listening to this or you're watching on YouTube, you will know by now we have passed 20,000 downloads that actually puts us in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide. So thank you so, so much to everyone who supported every guest, every listener, every, sing every single person, Lewis Wright, my wife, Adrian Lopez, that's been involved, Leah Wynn. Uh, we couldn't be here without you. So thank you so, so much. This is our second ever uh, online live podcast, a good live podcast. Now, my guest today, she is a food marketer, writer, and industry speaker. She has a decade of working, living, and eating across Europe, Asia, and the Middle East and has managed more than 50 restaurants, which we're going to delve into deeper than <laughs> someone who clearly young has managed more than 50 restaurants. I don't think I've eaten in 50 restaurants, but she's managed more than 50. Become a member of the 7 Million Bikes community and you'll get free tickets to our events, free 7 Million Bikes face masks, episodes a day early, behind-the-scenes content, and invites to special events for community members. The link is in the show description, so check it out and join today. Thank you so much to our existing community members. We look forward to seeing you again soon. This season, we've gifted sponsorship of a Vietnam podcast to two amazing charities close to our hearts, the Blue Dragon Children's Foundation in the North and Saigon Children's Charity in the South. Please check out the links in the description to learn more about these amazing organizations and donate if you can. Enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, we're now open to a Q&A for Joe Lau. So guys, please ask some questions. Oh. Nobody, everybody's like, oh man, she just talked too much. We don't have questions. She's answered all the questions that we've had. <laughs> yeah, am I able to ask the first one, Val, or is it? Of course, of course. But you know better than anybody my life story. <laughs> yeah, here we go for round two. Sure. But the one thing that it came up towards there, obviously, from the career that you've gone towards, it wasn't easy. And we chatted about it in our yep. podcast. Yeah. And like a young Asian female in yeah. the Middle East. Yeah. But you're also, as we said, very open about mental health. Yeah. How have you managed to stay both, say, assertive, but also vulnerable? How do you navigate that balance? Um, it definitely is a challenge, um, you know, because constantly I think that. Actually, that's a very good question. <laughs> it's a very, very good question. Um, I think that sometimes being in in an in industry that's largely male-dominated um, and talking about mental health, that can be an Achilles heel, right? And people using it against you to say that you're weak. Sure. Uh, and not wanting to maybe give you certain projects for the fear that maybe you might not be able to step up to it because of your mental health issue. Um but I think that probably that's the reason why I choose to continue to succeed and really press on and achieve to show that it's, it's not one or the other, right? It's not just because I have a mental health disorder that I will not be able to do well for my job. And, and I think that 
what I'm in a position in right now, which is very, 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 very fortunate for me, is to be able to 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 be in a position where I work with people that understand that having balance in someone's life is a productive way in somebody being able to fulfill a task. So for example, when the lockdown happened, I actually went to all my clients and went to some of the people that I work with and I said, I really need this 48 hours to to take care of myself before I come back to you. Um, So I'm trying to, to dispel this notion that that mental health means not being doing well in your job, but mental health and taking these breaks means doing better in my job. And that's why I, I want to show that I, I am very successful and I'm constantly progressing. And that one thing that I advocate a lot besides mental health and showing that, yes, I, I do take medication, that I do have panic attacks, is also that I self-care a lot. I meditate a lot. I take care. And then at the same time, I do very well and I show that relationship and how I'm taking care of myself and how that's really, you know, self-love um, is anchored in self-discipline and how that self-discipline transcends into me continuing to progress and achieve and believe in myself to do better. Does that answer your question? So like, yeah. I really want to show that relationship, even though right now it's like mental health, she can't do it. She's going to get stressed. We don't want to hire somebody who gets stressed out easily. That's not the case. Everybody gets stressed. Sure. And this yeah. is like my final question. Uh, yeah. Do you think you could say that you've been successful because of your mental health, not despite? So do you think it gives you the tools to be more successful? As in to look after yourself, to have more empathy? Do you think that's mm-hmm. the case? Or? I think it definitely has. Like, I think through my exploration with my own mental health, it has made me realize that um certain 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 things like for example through trying to explore the reason or 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 or, or the root causes of my mental health or trying to be better it also made me realize that hey you know what maybe the way that i treat myself or or the way that i talk to myself um it's not hasn't been so nice and sometimes taking these five or ten minutes to to not get stressed out and be focused has really helped me in being better in my career. Because, you know, sometimes when you are working, you won't really feel every day won't be a good day, right? Like there can't be a day where every day is a good day. There are some days where you're going to fail. There are some days where, you know, for me, certain articles I got to do maybe 10 views, and, and I, I, through exploring with my mental health and being aware of it, I learned how to be kind to myself and say, you know what, that's fine. We try again. We try harder next time. And, and I want to, 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 to practice self-love and understand that I love myself so much and I am so committed to what I do that I'm going to show up for myself because I know that I can do it. So every day, and this is all tied to my mental health. This has nothing to do with anything else. Right? Yeah. So I would definitely say like my mental health and understanding better has inspired me a lot more or given me the right tools to do better in what I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's my final question. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. That's great question. Yeah, it was a good question.
questions. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone else? Jaani, Zion, Fibba, or Idea? Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. What's uh, the most interesting uh, concept that you had to work with in your career? The most interesting concept that I had to work with in my career. Okay, you're in one minute, huh? Mm. <laughs> oh. The most interesting concept that I had to work with my career. Ooh, I know. So in the Middle East, I had to open up a cafe um, that was basically... So in the Middle East, um, I think understandably, a lot of Muslims, they can't go to the clubs, right? Yeah. They can't go to bars as well. Right. And I worked with a Emirati lady from the Middle East to open up a cafe that wasn't just about coffee. It was... The equivalent of a bar and a club for Emiratis. So we did everything. We had a bar. We had, you know, non-alcoholic cocktails. They tried to really uh, give rise to an environment of, you know, fulfill what traditional bars and clubs had to do for young people. But right. for people who couldn't get to clubs or be close to each other, or flirt with each other, you know, or see each other's faces. So it was quite interesting. That was actually quite interesting yeah, for me. Yeah. I was like, and that was when I realized, oh yeah, these people, what are they doing when they want to date? It was really cool. So our cafe opened till midnight. Have you ever seen a cafe open till midnight? So now, when you go to the UK or Western world and you see Starbucks, why are there always people drinking coffee at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m.? It's because they're there trying to look at girls. <laughs> it's true it's true now i like really realize it so that was a really interesting concept that i had to work on i feel like that that concept restaurant lasted about a week and then it closed down <laughs> no it's very very popular now in um, dubai and when i was in singapore i was so fascinated with this that in singapore there's a there's a Muslim entrepreneur that actually um, is known as the halal mixologist. So he has a rooftop uh, non-alcoholic halal bars and he creates non-alcoholic mixology cocktails, not mocktails. Um, it's basically almost like gin and, 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 and juniper and, and stuff like that, but without the alcohol, but it tastes exactly like it. And, and that really like was very interesting to me. So it's like a rooftop bar, like a cocktail, exactly like how you would see it, exactly how you would taste it, but just without it. But the thing is, though, you're doing it wrong. I'm not drinking a cocktail for the taste. I'm drinking it for the effect. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it was so interesting for me to see how, you know, people who, you know, Muslim people, and we, we, there's a lot of Muslim people in Southeast Asia, right? like Malaysians, Indonesians, mm. Middle Easterns, like, what their 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 bar or their club was or you know like I was 15, 16, like I was super drunk and wasted. I'm like yeah. what very equivalent of being super drunk and wasted. Like I you know like you know what I mean? And and we Yeah, had- it's super interesting to think like yeah. a totally culture to, to most cultures where it's all based around alcohol and hanging out. It was really cool. And I do. 
Hello, she's frozen. What's uh, Am I back? Yeah, you're back now. We, lo we lost you for a second. Uh. Oh, and then on the second floor of the cafe, um, we used to throw baby showers. <laughs> we used to throw bachelorette parties. <laughs> and it was really interesting, you know, because we used to have non-alcoholic champagne with gold dust inside. And it would be women only, so all the staff and everything. And uh, we would close all the security cameras and all the women would take off, you know, their burgas. Yeah. Oh, and we would have a full-on party. Oh. Have fun. It was really, it was really, really interesting and funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was uh, really cool. We didn't have bathrooms. We had changing rooms. Or was there a bathroom in the changing room? There was a, it was like a full-on glamorous uh, changing room. Like the kind they of, could, in like I mean, they could use the bathroom. They could go to that toilet. No, 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 no. When you are changing from a burqa to a full-on like party dress, you need like a full-on dress. It was so like, we were a cafe and we had like a full-on, like as if there were like a hotel suite, like a full-on dressing room with like, hair dryers and like because they have to come out from the car in like you know normal and then they go in there and it's like a full-on party <laughs> so Pippa any any questions after two hours of talking yeah two hours of I don't have any questions but just thank you it's really interesting my yeah. internet kept on going out as well so I'll probably have to listen again just on the bits that I oh no way but no, thank you. And really, especially about mental health. Really, oh, really interesting. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Um, uh, I want to thank you as well. Actually, I, I saw one of your posts on FexPats probably um, oh, cool. during the last lockdown, not this past one, the one prior <laughs> about restaurants are open. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, thank you for all the work that you do and like um, promoting sort of like, you know, um, giving information about places that are open and promoting the F&B business in general here. Um, I guess maybe as a last question, um, you know, what kind of impact um, are you, you know, trying to have here on, I guess in general or F&B wherever, you can interpret that question, however. Legacy impact that you want to leave behind? Um. So one, one key reason why I do what I do um, to highlight the industry is because I want to attract and retain talent in the industry. Um, you know, being Asian and somebody who went into the hospitality industry as a very, at a very young age, the industry is not really highly looked upon. You know, being a chef, this, you know, back in Singapore, is, if you went to jail, you became a chef. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. Interesting. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I was really deterred to enter the industry um, at the beginning. Not just the social status, just the money and stuff like that. Um, and and in Vietnam, I know of a uh, you know if you talk to people within the industry itself, you'll say that people are not willing to join the industry. A lot of young people don't see a future 
they, they, they join it, maybe three, four years, they don't get the recognition, they leave. And I, I really want to write about this industry in a way that uh, or shine light or get it into, a, to position it in a way that, that highlights the diversity, the potential, the growth, and what people are doing to create role models and make them aware um, of, 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 of what the industry holds because I want young people to want to enter the industry because it's a great industry. And we, we, need, we need people to enter the industry and we need to attract and retain and show that they're getting the recognition that they deserve, right? So that's like really one of the key reasons why I do what I do. So um, if you see, like the last month I did quite a few webinars um, and a lot of university students actually reached out to me. They said they wanted to join because I think they're feeling very uncertain about their future in the industry. And I said 100%. They were... Um, charity uh, webinars, so they were paid, but all the money went to charity. Um, but for university students, they you know they all drive for free, and you know like that was something that was like you know very impactful for me because I I want more students to join it, mm-hmm. the industry because the trajectory of the industry is growing, and we we need more people to enter it. We need more people to represent this country. We need more people to 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 carry on the hospitality service, the cuisine. Um, because it's all linked to culture, right? Um, we need to just keep it going. Yeah. That's, that's just, the impact I want to have. <laughs> Thank you. So just to add on to that and then we can wrap it up. Um, that it's actually like vitally important what you're talking about there because obviously for Venus, we've been close to tourists for a couple of years now, but tourism will come back. And when it does come back, it's going to come back fast. It's going to come back hard. It's going to come back big because it was big before the tourism finished. And one article I read um, in Joval, maybe you can give me some more clarification on this, but I read about a year or two ago was there's a massive, massive gap in um, chefs in Vietnam. And if we want to cater the tourism here in high-end results, even from low-end to high-end, you said in Singapore most chefs are uh, come from jail. I don't think it's similar here in Vietnam, but th- this article said that most um, like back end, back house restaurant staff have no formal training. Yeah, and if you think about that as a country, and in the countries that you you obviously Anna you brought up in the US, Pippa US, uh, sorry Pippa UK, Zion US, Connor UK, we probably don't realize because we just go out to restaurants and eat. But probably most of the staff in that are cooking your food have went to college, have had some sort of formal training for what they do. Whereas here in Vietnam, we just all assume that everyone was taught by their mom or their gran or whatnot. And that's fine at a local level. But when you start to move up to the Park Hyatt and the Six Senses and all these numerous results that are around Vietnam and we want to attract international tourists, that's a massive problem if those international tourists don't get the service that they're paying for and they expect because we don't have the educated, and I don't mean educated as in um Intellectually, I mean, as in like, you know, um, on the job skills, if we don't have an educated and a trained workforce to work in hospitality, that's going to be a massive problem. So that is my understanding of the situation. Joao, explain what I just said in a much more succinct and better way than what I just said. (laughs) Yes. So essentially um, what you're saying is true. And um, but. But there's a two-prong approach, right? So currently, if you see um, hospitality courses um, and universities are, are starting to 
not sorry, there are not many, but there there are more in the last couple of years that are training hospitality students within Vietnam um, to actually enter this industry because tourism within Vietnam is a huge one. And we, of course, want it largely represented by Vietnamese people. We want Vietnamese chefs at the forefront, want Vietnamese cuisine um, to be, you know, at the forefront of everything that that's happening, right? And that's why there's a lot more courses that are happening. But what you're saying is true. There is a huge disparity that's happening right now between um, the kind of talent that's being imported and the kind of talent that's here right now. Um, yeah. And, and, and we need more people to want to enter. And not only more people want to enter, but more people who, who want to contribute. And, 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 and they will stay if they see that there, there's a future and, and, and Vietnam's F&B industry is being recognized. And we need to create role models and shine light on role models and have them see Vietnamese cuisine and the industry in a different light, which I don't think is happening right now. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything. No, I'm kidding. No, we've not covered everything, but uh, we covered a lot. So yeah. thank you, Duval. One last time, thank you so, so much for oh, me. Thank from you. We're actually on Facebook Live as well, but I have no idea if there's anyone watching on Facebook, but hopefully oh, there are. <laughs> this will obviously go out as a full podcast and will be on YouTube as well. Um, I'm excited to share more about the food and beverage uh, industry in Saigon. And um, it's been good to, to get to know you a bit more. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me on. And thank you guys for all your questions. It's uh, lovely to meet and uh, see some familiar faces again. Yeah, cool. Hope to see you guys all soon. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys. Stay safe. Good thank night. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. We hope you enjoy hearing our guest stories. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much to our producer, Lewis Wright, for making sure the show sounds as good as possible for you. And also a big thanks to the 7 Million Bikes community members and everyone who supports us. Don't forget, if you haven't already, you can join the community today. The link is in the description and you'll get free event tickets, free 7 Million Bikes face mask, and invites to special member events. Also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and I'm still ashamed to say this, TikTok. Most of all, if you can, please donate to Saigon Children's Charity or Blue Dragons Children Foundation's COVID appeals. Remember, we have six seasons of stories to share with you, so check them out if you haven't already, and we hope you can listen to future episodes too, so you can laugh, connect, and discover. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. 
It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers. <laughs>